and welcome to episode 56 of Owen the Saints, your podcast dedicated to Southampton Football Club. I have Jack Serlis joining me today to discuss three points for the Saints. Sounds good to finally say those words again, doesn't it, Jack? It does. How long has it been? January, January 4th, that Liverpool game, wasn't it? So it's been a while. Two months, basically. <laughs> two, <laughs> two, very months. Long, two very long months for a Premier League win. Um, it's been a long way, as you said. But at the 10th attempt, we got the victory, beating Sheffield United 2-0 at Bramall Lane, thanks to goals from James Ward-Prowse and a rocket from Che Adams against his former club. The record-breaking slump is over. Eight losses and one draw from nine games, including that disaster at Old Trafford, embarrassments at Newcastle and Leeds. It was really, really nice just to have a relatively routine three points. Can partly have Sheffield United to thank for that. They are bottom of the table for a reason, but there were good performances across the pitch from us. Nathan Teller in particular on just his second Premier League start and 90 minutes in the tank for both Kyle Walker-Peters and Ibrahima Diallo was extremely positive too. The only blemish on an otherwise excellent Saturday was a worrying groin injury picked up by Danny Ings. Hassan Hootl said he expects an absence of at least a couple of weeks before we come on to, to discuss what that means for us. Let's marinate ourselves in the sweet joys of a Southampton victory. Jack, other than the fact that we actually won a Premier League match, what pleased you most about the performance? Well, I mean, I think we'll we'll talk about the team sheet, but I'll, I'll start before the game. The first thing that pleased me was just at, at two o'clock, looking on Twitter and seeing that we've got players that actually play fullback playing there. So seeing Carl Walker-Peters at right back, seeing Ibrahima Diallo in centre mid um, was the was the main first thing that I was buzzing about because we we're a completely different team with those two in the team. I'm sure we'll discuss that later. But in terms of the actual performance, I think we just looked dangerous and we haven't looked dangerous you know, over the last two months. We haven't really been look, looking like scoring a goal, but we were cutting Sheffield United open at ease and... You know, players like Minamino, Stuart Armstrong, we need to discuss him again because he is one of our most important players at the moment. And, um, you know, just it's partly due to the fact that Sheffield United are a truly awful team. And, you know, I don't want to be too harsh on them because we Southampton talk about our injuries a lot. They are missing players like Sanderberg, Basham, Egan, O'Connell. So really key players for them. But an awful, an awful team. They just didn't really threaten too much. But... Um, yeah, just really, really, really good just to see us cut a team open, create some chances and getting Shea Adams on the score sheet was, you know, the icing was cherry on top, wasn't it? It was, absolutely. I mean, it's sometimes the fixture list hasn't been particularly kind to us, but it was nice to have Sheffield United um, just to give us this opportunity to end this run. And now, obviously, the pressure, we were talking about the game, but the, the pressure was on us before the game because we were on this run and we are playing bottom of the table. So you need to pick up three points. I think Ralph was obviously feeling the pressure there as well. Um, so to come away with a 2-0 victory is very, very pleasing. Uh, let's go kind of one through one through those returning players then. Uh, I think Carl Walker-Peters was excellent. Looked like he had never, hadn't been away. I think it was his first game since he limped off against Wolves, the defeat to Wolves. So came straight back into the team. Uh, and, and it was excellent, wasn't it? He was. Um, I saw a tweet actually from the Saints FC podcast just um, highlighting his importance, which I think you know just shows it all really. He's, with Carl Walker-Peters in the team, we've picked up 32 points this season and without him, we've picked up mm-hmm. one point in seven games. So <laughs> it, it just it just highlights his importance. We just look much better team, more solid defensively. Um, but again, it's that, it's that threat going forward 
constantly you know pushing their opposition full back towards their own goal frees up more space for Stuart Armstrong like we've said on a podcast before so mm-hmm. just in I'd say in the top three most important players for Hampton this season for sure one of the big things as well is like we've talked about it so much but the what he brings to us from an attacking sense but also it's just his calmness in possession on yeah. the ball when we've got Bednarak there he's playing out of position and because of that, he's just trying to keep things simple as much as possible. And whether that means just pumping it long or clearing it out for a throw in. Whereas Walker Peters has the ability to beat a player in a tight situation. And that's what we were doing, especially in the first half, beating their press because they were pressing us quite aggressively in the first 45 minutes. And we were just playing through it quite nicely, getting Armstrong and Minamino on the ball in dangerous areas. And we should have we should have scored more. We should have scored three, four, five goals on the day, especially when things opened up in the second half and we were just kind of cutting through them um, at ease, really. It should have been much more comfortable than it ended up being. Um, Ibrahim Diallo, if, if Kyle Walker-Peters stepped back in and it looked like he'd never been away. It it took a little bit longer, didn't it, from Diallo to, to kind of settle into the game? It did. It did a little bit longer. There was a few loose touches, but as expected, being out for a little while. Um, the, the worrying, particularly worrying one was the one that led to David McGoldrick's chance, where it was a very loose pass, I think, back to James Ward-Prowse. And I don't know why he's trying to dink the keeper there. Awful decision from him. <laughs> You know, you, you desperately need a goal and you've got the audacity to try and dink Fraser Forster. But if we're really lucky to escape that just before half-time because it definitely could have been a completely different game if it went in at one all. Yep. But I think in general, whilst there was some loose touches and you know, things like that, his performance was good. And for the goal, for the penalty, mm-hmm. it was his ball that picked out Nathan Teller, um, you know, just over, I think it was over the top of Ampadu, put it in the brilliant area for him to run in, onto. So... I think he's going to be a crucial player and we need to keep him fit because especially Romeo is out for the season now. We have to have Ward Prowse and Diallo fit for these remaining 11 games for sure. Let's talk about Nathan Teller then because man of the match, outstanding, second Premier League start. Big call um, from Ralph to start him up front. Uh, he's been kind of knocking on the door with some very good substitute appearances. And I think we said before that he deserves a start. With Minamino and the team, I wasn't 100% sure before the game whether it would be Minamino up top and Teller in the number 10 or the other way around. It turned out it was Teller up front and his pace Electric. just caused yeah, caused Sheffield United problems all afternoon. I think they fouled him three times in the, inside the first five minutes and obviously winning the penalty. Um, what a performance from Teller. Yeah, amazing performance. Deserved a man of the match. He's an interesting one, I think, because... He's 21 years old. He turns 22 this season. So whilst he doesn't have too much first-team experience, he's he's not coming in as an 18-year-old straight from the under-18s. He's coming around with a lot of experience playing football. And I think you can tell that in his game. He does that have that bit of maturity to you know, know when to win a foul. He, I think he got fouled six or seven times in that first half alone. Know when to win a foul, know when to pass it, know when to, sh- to shoot. He was very unlucky not to get on the score sheet in the second half of that left-footed strike. So I think you can tell that he's got those few more years under his belt. Um, but yeah, his pace is such a huge asset. Like you saw there's a few times in that first half where Sheffield United just couldn't deal with him. And mm. you know, whatever whatever division you play in, if you've got that kind of pace, you're going to cause problems for teams, especially playing teams like Sheffield United. And I think he's going to be a massive asset over the next few games. Because I think against City midweek, we're probably not going to have much of the ball. But if you've got a player that can spin the defenders, it's something that we've got to try and utilise. It, it gives us a different dimension yeah. as well, because we're not the paciest team, no. are we? Um, 
we haven't really got much pace around the pitch. You'd look at Kyle Walker Peters, I guess. Um, but other than that, there's not tons of tons of speed. So having him in there was was huge. And they Sheffield United obviously weren't expecting it. Got caught cold a little bit, I think. Yeah. Um, anything on the penalty for you? I mean, there's a few questions. Denial of a goal scoring opportunity was a bit of a hack from Ampadu, but genuine attempt to play play the ball there. Red card. Would have been a bit harsh? Yeah, it definitely would have been a bit harsh. I think the yellow card's the right decision. He's he's gone for the ball, hasn't he? He's gone for the ball. He's, I think yeah. he's just just missed it and taken out Teller. So it's a stonewall penalty, but I think it would be very harsh to send him off as well. Yeah. Um, on James or Prowse, obviously stuck away the penalty. His seventh goal of the season in all competitions. That's tied his best ever goal scoring season so one more and it's a it's a record for Ward Prowse I think five of those free kicks one penalty and one from open play um, you'd back him wouldn't you to, to get at least a couple more hopefully between now and the end of the season from that first half the other big talking point other than the fact that um, Teller was running rings around Sheffield United was the injury to Danny and that opened the door for Shea Adams who got on the score sheet a couple of minutes into the second half ending a run of 16 games without a goal in all competitions. His first goal since his strike against Sheffield United in the reverse fixture. <laughs> One of those things actually just, just reminded me David McGoldrick um, obviously a former Saints player um, and not getting on the score sheet against us but Shea Adams loves playing against his former clubs. Obviously, he was at Sheffield United. Um, he scored four times in four Premier League games against them now. So that's 44% of his total Premier League goals have come against Sheffield United. So he absolutely loves loves playing against them. Um, some goal it was too. Ralph saying, I think they've been doing finishing drills on Friday in training and it paid off in a big, big way. What a goal. What a strike. Genuinely, that's they're the kind of strikes that you dream about hitting when you're, when you're playing football, just hitting it sweetly, cutting across it um, into the top corner. What I really liked about that goal, and I think it's, it's interesting because Shea Adams, as we all know, hasn't scored a bucket load of goals for Southampton, but Saints fans do you know, really like him. And I'm one that's a big, big fan of Shea Adams because I think he gives 110% every single game. And if you watch that goal back, one thing that I noticed, the ball comes across from Walker Peters on the right-hand side. He keeps it on the pitch, plays it in, and we kind of lose possession. I think it comes out to Lundstrom. And he's sprinting back at Lundstrom. He's not He's not got his head in his hands thinking that's a missed chance. He's sprinting back at Lundstrom, who makes a mistake, tries to chip it over Bertrand, and it bounces to the edge of the box, or bounces to Stuart Armstrong. But the only reason why he's on the edge of the box there is because he's sprinted back to get into that position mm. so it's just like one of those one of those moments where you think you know he'd, he would still be in an offside position if he just was kind of sauntering back and I think that kind of does show his you know he's, he's a player that's come through the non-leagues he's a player that's played in you know championship and I think he is he gives 110% basically what I'm saying and I think that he that's does. that's he what does. Saints fans really do like and whilst he's, he's not scoring loads of goals I'm delighted to see him get on the score sheet and hopefully in these next 11 games with with Ings missing the next few I think Danny Ings got in, injured against Villa didn't he in that 4-3 game and that mm-hmm. was a devastating blow because I think he scored two in that game and he was on you know incredible form and he looked amazing at the time and this injury seems a little bit different because he's not really been playing very well he's got the odd goal here and there but he's not been our key player so you know, it does it does give a chance to someone like Nathan Teller and Shea Adams to strike up a bit of a partnership. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to see excited to see where we go. I, I tweeted at halftime. <laughs> he looked a player bereft of confidence <laughs> and he had that opportunity, didn't he, just before halftime when it was yeah. just a 
goal kick from Forster um, and he didn't get it out of his feet. It went right through and he was one-on-one with the keeper in the Sheffield United box. And it's just he just looked like a player that couldn't buy a goal. Um, proved me wrong, obviously. Uh, stunning finish. Well, I would say it's the type of goal that we've seen Shea Adams score, not in a sense that it was an absolute screamer, but it was just one of those where he just lashes yeah. it doesn't have tons of time to think a ball drops to him in the box or around the box and he just hits it hard yeah. <laughs> and it hits the back of the net. Like that is, that's hit that he's a great, he's got a great ability to strike the football. I think when he has a bit more time, he struggles a little bit. And we saw that in the second half, he did go through um, one-on-one with Ramsdale. It was a tight angle, but I, you never really fancy, oh, I didn't no. anyway. I didn't never really fancy him to, 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 um, to hit the back of the net. So um, great. Love the goal. Love the, the strike. Love the way the ball just like nestled into the net and um, stayed there and got wrapped up in got wrapped up in the net. It's like such a such a um, aesthetically pleasing pleasing goal. And yeah, it's it's so important because we're downing out now for a few weeks. We need Chai Adams um, fit and firing. A um, little bit concerned that it was going to be ruled out for offside from Armstrong coming back. So delighted <laughs> when the TV coverage just came back from the replay to the to um to live action and we'd already kicked off and I was like okay <laughs> no danger no danger of there being any VAR um intervention I've subsequently seen it back he's he's about a yard on side um the other thing I wanted to mention before we move on from Adams and it was a crazy tackle from John Fleck on Adams right at the end it left him limping a little bit hopefully not too bad he, he finished the game he was fine I think but the reason why I did want to mention that is because something we've mentioned on previous podcasts is the players not kind of, I mean, it sounds bad, but you know, like not trying to influence the referee Mm. and not being very streetwise. Now I love the fact that all our players steamed in when that Fleck challenge went in, especially especially Yannick went in. He got a book in, which I'm pretty silly, but but one of those things we've been calling for, a bit of passion, a bit of showing that they care, um, we've been accused of not being a very streetwise team in the past and it was just, it was good. And I just want to mention that reaction because it's great to get a win. It's great to get, see players sticking up for one another. Um, and yeah, awful, awful challenge. Could have easily been a red for me. Not going to complain too much about the yellow though. I've, I said exactly the same on watching it. I loved the way that the Saints players all sprinted in because it was a, it was an awful tackle and you want to see the players back each other up, especially in this awful run of form. You want to show a little bit of fight and a bit of passion. But um, on that challenge, I think you'd have no complaints if you got a red card for that because there's no intent to play the ball and it genuinely, that's a dangerous tackle. It's a very dangerous tackle. He's gone full mm-hmm. force and quite high on someone's leg. So it was very lucky. And it's, it's almost quite lucky that it was again, it was on Shea Adams, someone that doesn't really make a massive um, meal out of some yeah. tackles like when he got booted by Craig Dawson on the head and he kind of just rubbed it rubbed it off it was quite lucky that it was on him <laughs> and not on someone like Lacazette I don't know if you saw his scream against uh, I didn't Burnley. No. Uh, well if, if I'm sure our listeners in the UK would have seen it because it was on Match of the Day last night but um, he got he, or Richarlison Richarlison against Everton was an absolute nightmare for us exactly like I swear like every single time the challenge went in a 50-50 he was just screaming his exactly and with no with no supporters in the ground you can hear it even more now but yeah watch that Lacazette one it is outrageous how much he's screaming but um, yeah a good show a bit of fight and passion for sure it is because um, while you like influencing referees I don't think it's particularly effective like other teams do it and we don't really. We just kind of let things roll off our backs, it seems like. So, um, no, it's it was just just something of note I wanted to mention. Um, 
Moving on to Fraser Forster, I think is another important talking point that we should address. Five clean sheets now in six games, a solid performance against Chelsea in the one game that he did concede uh, a single goal. Didn't have loads to do against Sheffield United on Saturday, but are you like what you're seeing in place of him from, from in place of Alex McCarthy? Can't really have any complaints, can we? We can't. I mean, I, I don't think he's had a massive amount to do over those six games compared to, compared to other games this season where we've had, you know, teams kind of batter us a little bit. Um, but I think that does speak volumes for the way the team sets up with Fraser Forster in goal. I think he does have that little bit of leadership and that bit of organisation along the back four where you know maybe the maybe the centre backs and the full backs do feel a little bit more calm of having him having him behind them and he's a bit more vocal than Alex McCarthy. Um but yeah I think it, it's good to see he did flap at a few crosses in the first half which was the Fraser Forster mm-hmm. that we were all a bit fearful of when he's just um you know not too confident but he, he didn't let that get to him I don't think and he put in a solid performance and great clean sheet. I think that's, that was important to say because those Sheffield United corners early on looked like they were causing some problems and he was flapping a little bit. Um, by the second half, though, um, he was claiming yeah. them, which was which was good to see because I remember the Fraser Forster that you said, as you said, we, we were fearful of, was the one that, despite being six foot seven, didn't look particularly confident um, claiming crosses and, and would almost always punch yeah, yeah. clear. And that was a big frustration. Um, so to see him claim some was good. And I think his confidence will only grow. Um, he obviously got glowing reviews when we spoke to the Celtic podcast in the summer um, about his performances uh, for them. So to see him uh, keep clean sheets in the Premier League will do his confidence. Um, the world of good and and he's done nothing wrong, so I think he keeps his place. And yeah, and another big thing that's changed from his performances now is that usually when the ball got rolled back to him, it would be I'm going to put my laces through this, and I don't know whether it's going to go out for a throw in or if it's going to reach the other goalkeeper or I'm going to slice it. Just didn't know. Now I feel like he's got that confidence to put his foot on the ball and find a centre midfielder, and then we play it out to a right back or find the centre back, and we move, we keep the ball a little bit. And whilst we've seen in other games like. Arsenal play that way and they got caught out against Burnley. Um, you know, if you if it if you do it well, especially against teams like Sheffield United, you're gonna dominate the ball and you're gonna you know, you're gonna win the game ultimately. Because you need you need to be able to pass it back to your keeper and him to be able to take a touch and retain possession. And I think that's one of the biggest improvements in his game that I've seen. Yeah. We had plenty of chances in the second half as I've said Adam's going through um, Redmond came off the bench he went through in a very similar fashion saved by Ramsdale the biggest chance um, fell to Minamino and I wanted to use that as an opportunity just to discuss his performance and how you think he's got on since joining us on loan from Liverpool um, obviously a quality finisher we've seen that against Chelsea and Newcastle some Saints fans I've seen say they feel that he's not offering much else <laughs> other than those kind of two two very, very high quality finishes. I think I disagree with that, um, but I'm interested in, in how you'd rate his performances with us since he joined. I mean, I can see why some Samson fans think that because they're, you know, watching that game yesterday, he's not someone that was a standout performer. He had a decent game, he had a good game, but he wasn't someone that you'd go, you know, like a Nathan Teller that was causing loads of problems or, you know, Walker Peters or Stuart Armstrong. But what I think is encouraging, whilst he missed that chance where he should have definitely buried it, he's getting in those positions and he's getting those chances. And I think he's got that quality we've seen in, in games at Sampton and at Liverpool and in Europe that he will tuck them away. So 
you know, yeah. if, he, if he gets those chances, that falls to Nathan Redmond. I think he's, he's you know, maybe finishing one in 10, but I'm confident Minamino would hit half of those chances and bury half of those chances. So whilst he's not a standout performer, I think he adds that bit of quality that we need in the final third to be able to make the right decision like we saw against Chelsea. Um, so yeah, more to come, I think. Yeah, I'm, I would 100% agree with you. I think he just brings that obvious goal yeah. for it from a number 10 position that we need and we especially need it now with Danny being out. Um, it's so important that we have people on the pitch that when those opportunities do fall to them, they have a very good op- very good chance of converting them. And and you draw the comparison with Redmond and yes, one in 10 for Redmond will go in for Minamino. You're right. Um, I'd, I'd back him um, seven or eight times out of 10 to stick away that opportunity. It went the wrong side of the post on Saturday. Um, but for sure, I did want to mention and draw potentially a comparison with how you think Minamino's got on versus Walcott. Um, because obviously Walcott's out injured at the moment. He joined us on loan, had a pretty hot start, scored some goals, looked good, surprisingly so, I think, for some people. And we weren't expecting him to come in and make quite the impact that he did. How would you compare the two in terms of in terms of their loan performances? It's, it's a very good question. It's quite an interesting one, I think. Because still Walcott's almost like the forgotten man now. <laughs> so yeah. much has happened yeah. since he's got injured. I know we've been on a, a real bad run, but... Like you said, he did come in and he added a great bit of, you know, inventiveness and spark on the ball. And he, you could see he had that experience that we lacked when he would, when he would, you know, drive with the ball. And he also provided a great alternative when Shea Adams wasn't scoring, just to just to mix it up on, in the front two. I'd say similar kind of impacts from the two in terms of they both had very good starts. And I'm more confident that Minamino will kick on and have a, you know bit more consistency over the next 11 games still Walcott had like you said he good in certain games but almost went missing in other ones and I think Minamino's got a little bit more quality um, and kind of suits the team a little bit more than Theo Walcott does um, saying that it would be a brilliant addition to getting back fit I'm not sure how far away he is from fitness but it doesn't look like he's close at all from what you're hearing he's not in contention mm-hmm. um, but yeah it's a good question what do you think? Yeah, I, I just thought it was interesting the fact that we've kind of got two high profile players on loan from from top teams in the Premier League and they've both had a positive impact. I think that you're right in the sense that there's more to come from Minamino. I like Minamino in the team because I do think he's going to score goals for us and I do like his ability on the ball as well. I agree with some people that he can go missing and he can be... Um, he can the game can pass him by at times, but he's getting in those positions, and when he gets there, I think he's going to finish for us. Walcott, different player, carries the ball forward um, well. Was frustrating me a little bit in his final few games before he got injured. I think he got injured in the same game as Diallo against Aston Villa, um, and now it kind of it was getting a little bit more frustrating. Um, it'll be interesting to see when he comes back, if well, if he comes back uh, anytime soon, uh, it's not going to be before the international break, um, how he slots back into the team. But I'm excited about what Minamino can offer can offer us going forward. One player um, in that position that is certainly not frustrating is Stuart Armstrong. I think I, I mentioned yeah. Carl Walker-Peters as one of our most important players, but he's in that top three as well. The way he carries the ball and drives with the ball and that Minamino chance was Stuart Armstrong on the yeah. left-hand side beating a player, playing a perfect pass to Ryan Bertrand who, who played it across. And he's got that 
I don't know. I don't really know how to describe it, but he's got something different than any other player on the pitch. It's just really, yeah. really dynamic and makes the right decisions at the right time. And it's really surprising that he doesn't play too much for Scotland because I think he would be one of the mm. most important players. Um, it's one of the like an underrated characteristic of his that I think we've seen in recent games is his ability to beat a player. Mm. Um, he doesn't seem like he'd be a great dribbler. Like you wouldn't say, like pick out of one of his attributes if you were just watching him. But you mentioned that point there and he created an opportunity for himself against Sheffield United by kind of dribbling across the box and firing low he also created the opportunity um, in the final moments against Everton where he beat a player drove drove into the um, middle of the Everton defence and then I think played a 1-2 and fed it out to Gineppo yeah. that was Armstrong's that was Armstrong's run he just makes things happen for us in the final third and that's that's so so important um Right then, looking ahead, quick word on looking ahead before we wrap things up. Man City away on Wednesday, then a pivotal run of four very, very winnable fixtures that I think we've said it a couple of times that will define our season. Brighton at home, Bournemouth in an FA Cup quarterfinal, Burnley at home, West Brom away. Um, And even you can throw in the Palace game as well, actually, there, Palace at home. Those games could either set our season up for a top 10 finish in an FA Cup semi-final or for a little bit of a nervy, um, nervy running. Now, I think winning against Sheffield United, there was a lot of pressure on us before the game. And the reason why it was so great and so positive now is it puts us with a, with a decent gap. And obviously Fulham are currently leading Liverpool as we're recording this. So we're not 100% sure what's going to happen there. But it's great to get a win under our belts with a tough game on Wednesday, but then with a very winnable um, set of Premier League fixtures to come. Yeah, it was so big to, to win yesterday. Um, especially like you said Fulham are winning at the moment Mario Lamina's got the goal who I think a lot of Southampton fans are saying that we could have done with him over the last few weeks in a horrible torrid run but um, yeah like you said Brighton at home next they're a strange team for me oh sorry City City away and then Brighton after that um, mm-hmm. weird one Brighton because they they just they seem to be playing okay and they shouldn't be in that relegation fight like when you watch them because they're playing okay football but they are definitely in it and this this Fulham result if they do hold on against Liverpool will make it very very interesting down there but yeah I think that win was so big yesterday because we've got a few players back and if we keep them fit I'm, I've got full confidence that we'll pick up points in those games against Brighton, Burnley West Brom and Palace and it also yep. makes me look forward to that Bournemouth game a lot more because we can go into that game and have have kind of you know the shackles off a little bit and not hopefully not be thinking too much about the league if we do get a positive result against Brighton we do you know extend that gap and we can try and book our spot at Wembley which would be class (laughs) it would be Um, so yeah big win in Ralph's 100th game obviously come under come under a bit of pressure in recent weeks rightfully so to be honest because our form has been relegation form but I don't think there was any other doubt from us as a podcast that he's been the right man for us and will continue to be. He'll be massively, massively relieved, won't he? And I think now, as you said, we'll be looking forward to those fixtures um, and, and targeting. We discussed on the last podcast, targeting nine, ten points from those four Premier League games if we exclude the City game. Yeah, I said, I said, I think on the last podcast, that the, I've got no out that we will pick up points just the most important thing is just to keep players like Ibrahim Diallo and Cole Walker-Peters in that starting 11 because we are that's that's when we play our best football and the drop-off when they get injured is just 
humongous. It's bigger than any other team in the Premier League, I think. When you miss a couple of players and then you start shoehorning Stuart Armstrong and Jan Benrak in those positions and mm-hmm. you go from a team that creates chances to a team that's on the back foot and conceding loads of chances. So the key is keeping them fit and we can we can really push on. Final question then on that point. What do you, what do you want to see against City? Because you don't want to go into a game and just write it off immediately. No. But there is a sense that we've we've got players that have come back from injury. Walker Peters and Diallo both played 90 minutes. Do you want to protect them against City and keep them fit for Brighton? Again, good question. Because I think I was quite surprised to see Diallo and Walker Peters both um you know, complete the 90 minutes. And also Stuart Armstrong played 90 minutes. And a lot of been a lot has been said about he needs to be managed, his game time needs to be managed, and he can't play, you know, two in a week. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he drops to the bench against City and we do maybe see, you know, Minamino and Teller and I'm not too sure how how we'd how we'd set up, but I think there will be an element of rotation on Wednesday night because whilst we don't want to go there and roll over, we can definitely give them a game. There's more, you know, important games to come than City on Wednesday night, especially if they beat United this afternoon, the Manchester Derby. You know, they're going to be steamrolling, aren't they? So the options they've got is difficult to compete with. But saying that, that the performance we're putting against Sheffield United, I know it's a completely different team, but that would give so much confidence to those players going on Wednesday night. And I think rather than going there and being on edge, after not picking up another win and the run extended we've got that we've done that and we can try and push on and frustrate and hopefully nick in a goal and get Nathan Tedder on the score sheet absolutely it'd be well deserved so plenty of positives to take away then great to do a Saints podcast after a Premier League win it has been far far too long um, thank you very much to everyone for listening Jack thank you very much for joining me I would say check out our newsletter drops in the middle of the week every week you can find it by going to our Twitter profile, the link is is um is in our bio, so you can sign up there. I think also, we've got fifty eight so fifty eight so subscribers now. Bio. So also in the Insta bio. Thank you very much. So check that out. Drop your email in there once a week. A little Saints FC digest from us to you. Um, but yeah, thank you very much, everybody, for listening, and have a great week. Nice one, Pat. Speak to you next week. Up Saints. Mm-hmm.